Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots, episode 176. In this episode, we chat about enterprise attribution reporting, getting emails into HubSpot CRM, plus is Boris Johnson secretly an SEO guru, Craig? You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot's tips, tricks, and features for growing your sales and marketing results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Oh, really good. And wow, what a packed show we've got tonight. And I am so excited about this attribution reporting. I know. So we'll get to that in a second. All right. So now we're going to have our very first growth thought of the week, Craig. Grow better, Ian. That's right. Because you know what? Inbound is it's still there. Well, it's, it's actually still called Inbound. It is. Well, it's got that going for it. And HubSpot is now a platform. And it's all about growing better, hence the growth thought of the week. So this used to be called our inbound thought of the week. Now it's our growth thought of the week, is it? And what are we, we're just, well, basically we're just spruiking inbound anyway. That's right. So inbound in 2020 is actually earlier in the year, August 18 to 21 in Boston. And you can register now is a good time. Now, one, one of the interesting things that I was looking here on the registration page is how they've organized it and how they've changed the names of some of these tickets from prior years. And I used the Wayback Machine to go and have a look to see what else they'd done in prior years. And it's actually really fascinating. And I put a screenshot there, how they've laid out the pricing page or the registration page with the pricing. And before it was like like a typical pricing page, you know, you got lunch, you got this access to the sessions, you got priority seating, and you had ticks in certain columns. And now it's kind of similar, but it's really interesting how they've broken it up. They've broken it up into... Four main categories, inspiration, connection, education, and experience. And they've kind of grouped all the features that they're giving people under these four main areas. And what they used to call a VIP pass is now called a power pass, which is another interesting change in how they're referring or how they're trying to be inclusive of people. Maybe VIP just sounded a bit too yesterday. And so now we're talking about power. So there you go. Just gets better and better each year. I haven't been for a number of years now, but I'm tempted to go back in 2020. I was looking up the weather, and it's August is kind of like the pick of the month. It's it's beautiful weather in Boston in August. So. Perfect to enjoy some clam chowder and uh, oh, lobster rolls. Great lobster rolls and clam chowder. Gee, that was the best. If you're interested in going, now's a good time to book. You will get a very big discount. The prices are pretty good, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Looking at it over the year, last years, it hasn't really increased if you book early. All right, second thing, I'm going to say a shout out to Josh from okcloudy.com. Thanks for contacting us, Josh. It was good to talk to you and try and help you out. And you know what? We love listeners that reach out to us, don't we, Craig? Yes, we do. Shout out to you, Josh. All right, Craig, on to our HubSpot marketing feature of the week, which is the Enterprise Attribution Reporting. And now this is in beta for enterprise portals yes, in HubSpot. So this, just to be very clear, this is Enterprise Hub, Enterprise Marketing, Marketing Hub. So I've been looking forward to this for a while, and this is initial signs are good, as they say. So this is looking good in enterprise reporting. I've started playing with it just this afternoon, so I've only spent a couple of hours on it so far. But I was very impressed with what I saw, in particular, the way you can drill down on the journey to a deal. Now, we've linked to the uh, Knowledge Base article, which just tells you a little bit about it, and there's a nice video uh, which they walk you through as well. But in essence, you're setting up a list of deals to look backwards on. So you're starting with the deals and then working backwards to how you arrived at the deals. 
And you can do that by a number of ways, deal types, you know, uh, deal pipelines, things like that, content, content types. Now, this is the one that really interests me. And so what you can then do start, is start drilling into the deals. And I really love this drill down piece. And you and I were going through one of our deals. I was looking at this deal. I was like, oh, right. So that actually the content types attached to it, it actually started with some email marketing. And I've got screenshots in the show notes, folks. You can check this out. This one particular deal started with a contact in 2013. Then you can see the history of them responding to some of my uh, newsletters and marketing, uh, automated marketing workflows, right through to then you see them coming back to the site, page views, and then bang, oh, request a meeting, then a deal getting created right through to a deal closing. It's just a fascinating journey. And if you'd said to me before, oh, you know that deal you did earlier this year, okay, oh, yeah, how'd they find out about you? I go, oh, well, I think it was such and such. The data doesn't lie. You can go back and drill into this stuff. I, I just found it fascinating. It's very powerful, isn't it, Craig? And I think what was really interesting is to see that person's journey over time, how they've responded to your email, your email marketing, the pages they'd visited on the site, and then what led to them actually actually requesting a meeting and booking that with you. So, you know what? It just goes to show people are all on a journey. They're not ready to buy right now. And it's all these little touch points along the way that's actually making them get to where they are. Now, there are different models, which was interesting in this whole attribution reporting. There are models that I had never heard of, like the U model and the W model. The ones that were most commonly known, which you know we'd, you'd probably see in Google ads, is like the linear the first touch, last touch, and a few others, which is really interesting. So it goes to show it, models that you obviously utilize also place different importance on all those touch points. So something to be be aware of, but it's a great, this is a great start. I'm really excited to see this. I am too. So I actually, this is the start of something big because I'll, I'll just highlight in the individual interactions, which you go back reviewing, there's of course the marketing pieces, but one of them is sales emails. So you can actually see they, well, in our deals, they often, the sales email is a key part towards the end of the deal, right? Which kind of makes sense. That would definitely be the case in B2B, less so in B2C, of course. But you can actually drill in and see it. And one of the, and I actually am going to choose linear, I think, for my attribution by default. Yep. Because it apportions it evenly across all the interactions. Correct. And that's the way I would start. But you know what I'd like to see in this in the future is being able to tailor the attribution based on content types. So I'd actually like to give some attribution to marketing because there's multiple touches of, say, email marketing or automated marketing. So multiple touches along the way. And if you see the journey on the screenshots I've got, you see how it's apportioned out linearly. But I'd almost like to say apportioning a piece per a type because then you could see, well, if there was a lot more of that interaction that went on, that it actually contributed a lot more in terms of the revenue contribution. All that kind of breakdown and customizing, I'm assuming that's going to come. That's the real power. But for some of our clients, especially in B2B, when they're looking at this whole ABM approach, the account-based marketing, trying to look at, well, what part did marketing play versus sales and how they interact and the timelines, it's getting there. Like it's not there yet, but it's getting there. I think this is really powerful. And I can tell just from the way they've laid it out, you can tell this is how HubSpot is using it to analyze their deals and look back. Oh, the other thing I'll highlight, and you'll see this from the screenshots, is why is this different, say, to just viewing a contact timeline? It's because you get the deal, it's pulling in all the contacts, and so you actually see them 
interacting. So it's almost like a deal timeline in a way, but see them interacting on the key interactions that contribute overall to the deal. Just seeing that in one place and being able to drill, it's really cool. Like this is really cool. And for high ticket items, you know, if you've got clients or you're a business which has high ticket items, so you've not got thousands of deals, but maybe you've got hundreds or tens, you would actually go into each deal, drill back, check the attribution. Oh, I'll change the attribution model. I'll just see how it plays out. Oh, how did paid advertising fit into this, et cetera, et cetera. You would just spend a day, a month doing this and the insights you're going to get and the way this pulls it all together. This is really cool. Like this is big. All right, Craig, on to HubSpot sales feature of the week. And this is how to get incoming emails into CRM. Why I'm going to tell you this is that I've had a few people this week ask me this question because we've been implementing CRM in a few businesses, uh, one of them moving from Salesforce into HubSpot and the other one moving from not actually having any CRM into HubSpot. But what's really interesting is that uh, there are certain things because people have obviously got lots of stuff and they were like, well, how do I get this e- email in? So obviously the really simple way is if you've got the HubSpot sales add in in your email, reply, it'll go in. Let's say we don't want that, but we just want to store something against that contact, but we're not replying to it and it might have happened previously, there's actually a forward address, which is usually your portal ID at forward.hubspot.com, and that will forward it into and put it against the contact record. Now, if the contact record doesn't exist, it'll create it like it usually does. So be aware of that. Here's a bonus. Do you remember when you've got the sales add-in or the HubSpot sales extension, you actually have to check your log and track settings and you put down generally, let's say you don't want emails in your business to be tracked. So you'd put down... I don't want to log anything that is at zen.com.au, right? Like internal emails, yeah. So now you can actually do this in the settings of the log and track section within your portal where it'll never log emails in this domain or that email address. So I'd encourage you to actually do that in your portal if you've actually got that set up. So you're highlighting that because it didn't used to be there as far as we know. You could do it at the email client end in the plugin end, but yeah, within the portal, I don't know. Or maybe it has been there. We just didn't notice it, but you pointed this out. I was like, no, I didn't know about that. Well, I only stumbled upon it when everyone was asking me questions. You know, you it's almost like bug bounty. You know, you go hunting for something like, oh, here's a cool new setting just, you know, hidden away in HubSpot. It's great. So there you have it. That's the sales feature of the week. And now, Craig, onto our HubSpot gotcha of the week is... This is by design. So this is not a bug, but it is a gotcha. So uh, I have this with a client. Uh, We've got a landing page. It's got a form on it. And the form includes a field, which is where you can select, I'm interested in X, Y, Z. Tick, tick, tick. And that's a contact property. Anyway, so she was saying, I want to add an item to the list. I was like, yep, sure. Walking her through. Uh, okay, edit the page. Okay, good. Edit the page. Right. Now click on the form. Great. Edit the form. Oh, okay. So now I'm taken to the form editor. Great. Okay, click on that field. Okay. Oh, now that's actually based on a property. I'll go and edit the property. Click on that. Opens the property editor. Oh, good. So I'll just add that in this. Yep. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so adds the new entry. Goes back to form editor okay should i publish this now because we don't want this going live to next week i'm like oh no well don't publish now all right go back to the page refresh oh it's It's on the page right so you followed the flow you can see that use case now i was like oh why has this happened oh it's a contact property it's not actually just a property in the form because remember in the form her user experience is i'm editing the form i haven't clicked publish or update on the form as far as I'm concerned, I'm just still editing the form. 
Correct. Bang, that is live because the form is based on a contact property. That's right. So that's the gotcha, folks. Be aware of that. If you're editing a form that's using a field based on a property, contact property in settings, then any changes to that property will go live and site-wide, wherever it's used on any form, immediately. It's funny. When you spoke to me about this, I was like, I've been working through a stack of forms and workflows and a whole bunch of things with a customer this week because they've changed their mind on a few things. And like, oh, we want this to say this. And I've noticed this happening. So I was well aware of it, but it can catch people out. So be aware of that. All right, Craig, on to our marketing tip of the week. And I want to talk about this. It's about doing, having quick implementation with your minimum viable site, if you're talking about websites or a product. So you probably know that over time, people had to build, like the way we do stuff has totally changed and the way we create things, the way we iterate, the way we test and measure one of the things we talk about often is testing and measuring what we're doing. So we actually have a base that we start off and we try to start off quite quickly. We don't wait around for things and we try to get things live. We try to test it. We try to drive traffic. We test, we change, we iterate. So we use things like Hotjar to do stuff. But why I wanted to highlight this is because I've been stuck with a customer of ours trying to get things right and you know just not going live and saying, oh, I need to change this email now. I want to change this site. I don't like the way this button looks. And we've, we've been ready for a while. And you're kind of going, well, what are we doing? We should be testing this because we can actually iterate and test things and make things better. What should you do if this is happening? You need to actually be aware or have a really clear goal of what you want to see happen. And I think when, when you haven't got a really clear goal and a time frame of when you want to see things live, you can continue changing stuff forever. Like you can always find things to change and fix. It's the whole 80-20 rule or 99-1, as I would say here, is that you need to get that thing live. If you don't, you're going to miss the boat. Like people have come and gone and finished before, before that started. It's almost like Ian, if only there were an approach to this that people could follow some new approach to web development. We should really get onto Luke Summerfield about this. <laughs> That's right. People might remember that. I think I've, our very first episode was It was about growth-driven growth design. Growth-driven design. And it's exactly this approach of getting a minimum viable site live and then iterating based on what we're testing and iterating based on data, based on actually what's working. And you're absolutely right. The people that sit there until they get, they think the, site's perfect holding off and holding off until it's perfect it's like well for starters their view of what perfect is never matches what the market's view is but two it just it's almost like it's oh i don't want to take money yet i will not take money yet please do not give me money yet i'm just holding off and you know and so and it's also frustrating for us working with clients and well you in this case um so yeah so what's the takeaway here it's about actually finding that balance isn't it Correct. between totally look you don't want to put a site out there that's rubbish r- rubbish and a bad perception of course we're not saying that you know and typos and of course fix all that kind of stuff but this idea of finessing and making layouts absolutely perfect or cta wording or styles absolutely perfect you've got to get over yourself and get it out there and i'm, I'm almost preaching to myself in this way because I- yeah and look we have the tools at hand today to actually change stuff really quickly so Think about previously where you might have got stuck and you have to go, I've got to get the developer to do that. Really, when you think about, especially with HubSpot, we have the tools, we can change CTAs, we can change, we can update pages, we can publish new things, we can, you know, change the heights of certain elements relatively quickly, right? So the speed to iterate is very fast. And I think just be aware of that. Like if you are 
taking your sweet time, you're missing, you're missing that opportunity. All right, Craig, on to our insider of the week, the classic Boris Johnson SEO expert. Oh, this is hysterical. So, Boris Johnson, yeah, we're talking about the Boris Johnson, UK right. um, Prime Minister. So, there's this article uh, we're just reading recently and a Twitter thread about it, about his the genius of the man um, in his SEO. So, what this harks back to, you remember when he was talking about, I build model, model buses, or I like to build model buses, and everyone's like, what is this guy smoking? It's just the craziest thing. Anyway, it turns out... In a genius piece of Google ranking misdirection or manipulation, he was trying to remove focus of the bus, which was to do with Brexit, right? And then another thing around model, he used to, I, he had some altercation with a model. And then in other ones, more recent examples, you can see these in the thread, trying to distance himself from police um, altercations and things like that. So the whole, these interviews he does... And the, the crazy things he's saying are all to drive headlines that then change Google's results listing away from bad stories about him previously related to those topics to these new kind of crazy ones in a way. And it's about capturing attention and controlling that capture of attention. And the guy... It's, the guy's a genius. The guy's a genius. When I saw this, I'm like, who is this guy's... SEO team, whoever's doing this, is like, I, and I'd just love to have been a fly on the wall when they were discussing this. And I was like, like Boris, we've got this idea. We're <laughs> going to line up this TV interview with you. Now, what we're going to try and do is a bit of reputation management SEO to get away from the whole bus, you know, and Brexit um, coverage and things. So we want you to say, <laughs> I like to build model buses. And the guy has done, can you imagine him sitting in the interview just always choking on it going, oh my goodness, and people going, and the last laugh is with this guy. He has like the balls on this guy to do it and carry it off. And and the other thing is like, how many other times has he done this that we don't That's even exactly not even right. aware of? The guy is a master. I'm just bow down to to you, sir. Anyway, that is I, that's phenomenal the, when you think you look at the search results pages and you see what's on there. And I, it was funny you were show you were telling me about this because I actually read this and I thought. I kind of actually had to think about it and thought, wow, the extent that he has gone through, his team have gone through to really understand how to protect himself online and to kind of carve up that real estate was really pretty phenomenal. So you've got to sometimes think a bit differently, don't you, Craig? Have a look at the bus. We'll, we'll, we'll share the bus on Twitter, I reckon. All right. Now, Craig, on the resource of the week, we have... This is an interesting thing you uh, have been working with on Google, the Grow My Store, it's called. So, it, it, what they say is to improve your digital window into the world, a useful tool to understand what Google is looking at when it evaluates sites. Hang on, hang on. Improve your digital window to the world. Why do they write that kind of rubbish? <laughs> improve your digital window to the What does that even mean? That's, that's just complete malarkey. Malarkey. Anyway, why I wanted to highlight, especially if you've got an online store or your store is actually to drive people to a retail, physical retail space. I did it on one of my customers' sites and I was showing you the report. It was really, really interesting. Once I put it in, it said, oh, this report will take a couple of hours to complete. Anyway, we went away and came back. Half an hour was here. The way it was laid out was really interesting, very visual, really clear, giving a really clear, you know, this is good, this is not good. And it's really interesting some of the things that it picks up. Like one of the things I showed you was looking at uh, 
next to the store. There were there was nowhere where it mentioned next day delivery or free returns, and that were two of the criteria that Google was actually highlighting that you should be targeting. It looks at site speed, it looks at mobile friendliness, it looks at usability. You know how how good are the pictures, how how well the buttons are laid out, so it's easy to buy. Can you create yourself an account, etc. It's kind of like Website Grader with a few tweaks for an online store. It's really good. I think it's really clever. Interesting that it said, oh, it'll take a few hours to prepare your report. Because what was the perception you had when you saw that? I was like, really? Does that does it really take that long to produce a report? Yeah, well, of course it doesn't. And I'm sure it's prepared in an instant. But I, there's a perception piece there, isn't there? Yeah, you know it's what? Kind it's kind of like saying, oh, it'll take a few hours. Oh, wow, this report must have value. There is a lot of value there. You're absolutely right. I think that's that's exactly what it is. And you know how people talk about fake scarcity and fake urgency? That, that's, that's kind of like fake credibility it's building with you right there, isn't it? That's right. Now, Craig, you're supposed to have a quote of the week. Well, you called it genius of the week. Oh, that's because we moved the um, Boris Johnson thing earlier. Sorry. We, well, we don't have a quote. Well, the quote this week is test and measure. Test and measure. Great quote. Now, we've got some uh, bonus links. Uh, YouTube optimization tips for SEO. Now, this is really good. I would actually recommend you guys have a look at it. There's a slide share on it. More and more, I am actually realizing that people are using YouTube and talking about it more often. And look, I'll look, talk about my kids. There is no TV. YouTube is TV in their world. And they get what everything is they get. They watch, they watch gamers trying to out of build stuff, what other people are doing. It's quite funny. They used to watch really silly stuff. Now they're becoming more strategic with what they're watching because they're playing different games or we're playing even different things at school. And so they're trying to figure out, well, how do I get better at this? So I watch other people doing it, learn about things that they're doing, and then basically mimic that. Game better. Game better, that's right. So do your kids um, watch it and, and see ads? Uh, yeah, they do, actually. So I'm thinking of uh, paying to not see ads. Yeah, so I've got YouTube Premium. And not that I actually watch a lot of YouTube, I have to say. But I, there's no way I can tolerate ads. Yeah. So that 10 bucks or 12 bucks a month is a no-brainer for me Correct. to save, well, probably, what, number of videos I watch? Like, like what do you normally get, a minute of yeah. ads for Correct. a reasonable video? You know, so watching Brian and Diamesh's keynotes or a few things like that, you'd be like, oh, so I've probably saved, you know, 10 or 15 minutes a week, I reckon, of my time. And just the frustration, I'll happily pay for that. So... I can't believe people watch all these ads. Like, how do you put up with ads? In, in I'm just more tolerant, Craig. <laughs> Are you more tolerant? Is that what it is? Is it the price that puts you off? No, I actually don't even don't know the price, to be honest. I was going to ask you that question. I think it's fairly cheap. It's like 10 or 12 bucks a it month. It is. You know what? And I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. I mean, we do, I do subscribe to some other channels where you can have an option to have ads and pay less or have no ads and pay more. And it's really interesting because on that particular time, we've actually, my wife and my, we've actually said, oh, we'll just try with the ads. And then after about a week, we're like, oh, we've had enough of this. We'll just pay the extra five bucks and <laughs> without ads. So it's the same. I, I actually see ourselves going towards that model of actually paying for YouTube because I'm happy for my kids not to have ads and waste their time. But, you know, just the plethora of ads that are going on, I just, sometimes I want to protect them from stuff. Yeah, and I think there's two types of ads. So I'm happy to see ads in the sidebar, but when they interrupt and stop me doing stuff, that's when it annoys me. So I do use an ad blocker on some sites, but my point is I'm actually happy to pay 
for removing ads. And normally when I have the ad blocker, it's to remove those ones that really slow down your site or make it completely yes. unfriendly to read the site. I love it when they've just got a small ad or a small sponsored listing. I'll happily look at that. And in emails as well, I'll have an ad. They've got a they've got to monetize. I'm not expecting it for free. And I think this whole idea of micropayments and micro, I will happily pay for that kind of stuff. We subscribe to stuff, you know, to remove ads. Um, some of the uh, the the better media uh, newspapers was okay. I'll happily pay. But yeah, it's it's the interruption that yeah. That's it's exactly just right. it's it. interruption. Well, folks, I hope you've enjoyed the show. We'd love you to share it with somebody that you think it would help and leave us any feedback and reviews on Apple Podcasts or... You know, we're on Spotify now. Well, yes. And we are on YouTube. So yes, you can, we are you on can actually listen to our podcast on YouTube. What, and happens, on, what, what happens with ads there? If you, and on Google Podcasts. And Google Podcasts, yeah. Oh, and we're appearing in the Google listings because we're getting transcribed and everything. Thank That's you, Mr. Right. Google. So we're testing that, aren't we? So can I just check? So on YouTube, people might actually listen to our podcast on YouTube and be interrupted by ads, right? Quite possibly. Yeah. Sorry, folks. We've got no control. We don't have any control over that, do we? No. no we've got no control over that. Sorry, we should folks. monetize that, Craig. Oh, yeah. And by the way, stick around, uh, folks. We've now got a, f- a series of five minutes of ads from our sponsor. No, we don't. <laughs> Well, I hope everyone has a great week and we look forward to talking to you next week. See you, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.